It's the international break and this is the Inside Ellen Road podcast with me Phil Hay counting the days to Leeds United's next game at home to Millwall on March the 30th um, and fresh off the back of a pretty sobering defeat to Sheffield United at Ellen Road which knocks Leeds down to third in the table and leaves automatic promotion very much up for grabs uh, with eight games to go. Um, we're going to swerve away from that this week. Uh, myself and Joe Urquhart will be back with you early next week to discuss the Blades defeat and to look ahead to, to Millwall and the remainder of the season and what is going to be a very tense running. Um, but speaking of Millwall, we got a special guest on this week's podcast, uh, none other than formerly United striker David Sommer, uh, who joined us from America via phone this week to chat about his career at Ellen Road, um, to chat about his famous debut, which brought two goals against Millwall, um, the peaks of his career, the, the troughs of some very serious injuries, um, which which ultimately finished his time at Ellen Road in, in 2013, and, and a lot of reflection on how he came to England, the, the way this chance fell for him, um, and what he's been doing since he hung up his boots in, in 2013. Um, a lovely guy is David, lots to, to say for himself and, and a pretty fascinating chat ahead So I hope you enjoy it um, and we'll see you next week David, thanks for joining us on the podcast and, and welcome to it um, I'm going to start you off with a little quiz if I can Who's, okay. Who said this about you? The one thing he does time and again is finish with either foot and from any range If you get the ball to him in a dangerous position, you don't hope he'll score, you think he'll score it's a nice feeling to sit on the bench knowing a player in your team is blessed with that gift. Who said that? Um, I would say Chris Sutton. It was indeed Chris Sutton. Well done. Well yeah. done. Now, I don't I don't know if you followed much of, of what um, Chris is doing these days, but he's a pundit with Sky and the BBC and, and BT oh, Sport. I, didn't know, I was looking him up and I, I didn't know what he was, uh, if he was still coaching or what he was doing, but... He was uh, instrumental to my uh, to my future, you know. He uh, he obviously, you know, taught me a lot. He had so much experience of you know around the box timing of my runs and just you know staying active and you know honestly that's I got to give him like pretty much all my credit to to the goals I I scored, you know. Well, he's, a, he's a pundit these days, and suffice to say, his, um, his compliments aren't, um, aren't easily given and aren't cheap. So if I was you, I'd probably frame that quote for posterity. <laughs> yeah, I should, man. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I was saying, I was, I was going to introduce you as the, the South African striker, but um, some people probably right. think of you as American. Some people might remember that it was an Italian passport that allowed you to join Leeds um, when you, yeah. you came over back in, in 2009. You, you're a bit of a mishmash, really, aren't you? Yeah, so I have, um, I've always um, obtained a Italian passport, um, you know, European passport, um, but I was born in South Africa, um, we moved from South Africa to uh, United States, you know, when I was really young, um, and that passport gave me kind of that freedom to, to go kind of anywhere, but in regards to going to, you know, my national team and all that, you know, it was just an easy decision to make. You know, a lot of players are kind of all over the place, but you know, I feel like it's always better to go where where you're born, you know, and, and support your country. Yeah, your first game was against the USA. Your, your first cap for South Africa, exactly, wasn't it? As, exactly. as it happened. Yes, um, I forget when it was. I think it was two thousand. 2010, 2010 it was. Yeah. Well, if I if I take you back to the start, the story went, and you can tell me if this is true, but the story went that you bought 
a one-way ticket to, to England to trial with various clubs and in the hope of, of getting a contract in English football. You'd played in Italy with Perugia. You'd most recently been at San Jose Earthquakes over in, in the States. Is that right that you had a, a one-way ticket for England? And if so, why, how, how easy was it to take that gamble or how difficult? So it was very difficult because at that time I was, you know, from, what was it, 2004, I think I signed with Perugia. Uh, I was there for a year. There, Italy was going through a rough time with, you know, paying wages and all that. So that club ended up folding, you know, and then I went down to third division from, I think, like 2005, 2007 to Provasto. That was also in Italy. And then again, that club was, you know, they were going through financial difficulties. And then so I went to Olbia again in Italy from, I think, one year I was there till 2008. Um, so I was just all over the place. And then eventually I was like, you know what, let me try MLS. So I ended up coming back to Florida, you know, training on my own. Um, and then I had a family friend that helped me get to San Jose Earthquakes out in California. So I was there for about a year again, and because I obtained a European, I was an international, kind of considered international, um, I was holding a spot, um, you know, for one of, you know, like a big time name. So they ended up letting me go. I think only I made like four appearances. So it was like, man, is this really what I wanted to do? You know, I haven't gotten my break, you know, I'm getting kind of older in this game. So while I was at San Jose Earthquakes, um, I played with Darren Huckerby. Yeah, the ex-lead striker, yeah. Ex-lead striker. So I was talking to him, you know, went out one night, you know, and he's like, you know what, let me make, you know, a few phone calls. And I ended up, then, I think it was 2009, right? Yeah, 2009, um, going for a, a trial um, at Leeds. But at that point, I was like, you know what, this is it. This, You know, my parents have spent a ton of money for me to go all over the place. Um, and I was like, you know what? I just said in the interview, listen, it was a one-way ticket. It's a hit or miss. And uh, it kind of worked out. <laughs> that that sounds like the best bachelor party in history. I went out one night with Darren Huckabee and ended up on trial at Leeds. Yeah, it was crazy. It went from one-week trial to a month trial, playing in, you know, reserve games. And also, um, it was just, I could see it was, it was different, you know, because in Italy, you know, with these lower level teams, if you're not playing in the top flight, you know, with, you know, the stadiums you play in, the training facilities, you know, Leeds was just a shock to me. As soon as I arrived at, at the training ground, Thorpe Arch, I was like, well, well this is uh, this is the next level stuff. Did, am I right in saying that you had a, a trial with QPR first before you came to well, Leeds? Well, yeah, that was, that was um, through a the same guy that helped me get to MLS. Um, so he, he said, because I don't know if it was through him, some contact that he had to get to QPR. So I get to QPR, the training ground, and there's like 40 plus trialists that were coming in and out that right. week. And I was like, well, you know, so obviously they went with, you know, named players and all that, but that gave me kind of a, you know, the gist of what what needs you know what needs to what like coaches are looking for like it was a different level you know from yeah. from what I played so 
that kind of helped me get ready for Leeds, if if you know what I'm if you know what I mean. How long could you have stuck that out then? Say Leeds had said no to you and you'd, you'd trialed elsewhere. Realistically, how long would it have been before you would have had to have got a ticket back to the states and and I guess given up? Yeah, I, that was it. Because honestly, I was like, you know, maybe then I'll go back to school, um, or go back to you know, coaching here in in the United States. But I was I was I was kind of lucky. You know, to have have been around, you know, obviously Simon Grace and all that, but it, it was Neil Redfern that kind of gave me that opportunity, you know, to play. And you know, I'm sure he spoke to to Simon Grace about, but he was a great guy, um, Neil Redfern. He he would have been looking after you in the reserves, then was he predominantly? Uh, yeah, yeah, he was. He was. Uh, he's a top guy, man. He would. Uh, come to me after every game, you know, during the training sessions, he would always, you know, show me a couple things. Um, really top man, Neil Redford. Yeah, because I think it's fair to say that the the initial period that you had there, certainly before you went to Lincoln, was, was pretty hard and, and a bit unrewarding, really. I remember speaking to you a couple of times during that spell and getting the sense that you were you were desperate for a game, really. You know, you were desperate for a chance. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, yeah. And still then, even when I signed that, you know, that contract with, with Leeds in the beginning, you know, they still wanted me to get, you know, experience, which is, it's normal, you know, I haven't done anything in the English, English game. So when I got, went to Chesterfield and that was just, yeah, that was horrible. I pulled my hamstring, came back. I'm, I'm a, I think I, I was reading back about that. You've, your debut, pulled your hamstring, missed the penalty, I think, at Chesterfield. <laughs> happy happy memories. the worst possible, like... <laughs> <laughs> so I came in, pulled my hamstring, well, missed the penalty, pulled my hamstring, came back. I was like, okay, you know, my time here is going to be up soon. Then, what was it? I I don't know if it was the Johnson Paints Trophy that I played before, and then I went to Lincoln. That's right. It was, it was before Chesterfield, I think. You played against Darlington um, in, in Johnson's yeah. Paints. Yeah. So, recovered from that a couple of months, went to Chesterfield. Came back, they were like, "Okay, one more try. We'll go to Lincoln City." And I was like, "All right, I gotta, I gotta put a performance in." Um, and you know, the right coach, you know, man managers is the most important thing to me. You know, and I see it now because I coach. You know, I coach at a, a youth level now. I'm working on my um, my coaching licenses, but it's definitely a help when you get a, a, a man manager who puts his arm around you, tells you what you did wrong. You know, just you know, helps you along the way. Um, and Chris Sutton definitely is, I give him a lot of credit, man. He's a, he's a unique character, really, Chris. I mean, he, he was oh, kind of yeah. combustible as a player and um, didn't have a particularly long career as a coach, but as I say, has, has, right. made, has made a name with some, some pretty forthright opinions as a pundit. But again, I, I can remember you talking back then and you saying that he was he was instrumental in teaching you where to position yourself, where to be, how to how to anticipate balls into the box, basically turning you, because he always said you could finish, but turning you into a, a sort of all-round centre-forward. Yeah, because I was always, you know, through my career, I actually started as a left-back, to be honest. Um, then through my career in Italy, I moved to left-mid, because I had a lot of energy back then. And then when I went to, it was around MLS is when I kind of, you know, played up front, but... Um, yeah, he, he, we would train, after training, we would get a bunch of balls, a couple of midfielders and a goalie would stay, and, you know, he would tell me to be on, like, the opposite side of where the ball is, because, you know, 
most defenders are watching that they'll kind of lose sight of you and you know behind of you so it's just kind of these little small little things to think about um all around you know your back to goal how to play it you know it was just it was very good it was so much information but it really helped me when i got to leeds you know were you doubting yourself before you went to Lincoln? I'm looking at your record there, and it was nine goals in 14 yeah. games, which not it, it wasn't quite single-handedly saved them from relegation, but I think they would have gone down without your your goals. I mean, were you, were you doubting yourself just on I the mean, basis of, team. I guess, how you know how not how badly it had gone at Leeds, but how I guess how how little impact you'd made before then? Well, yeah, because like I, you know, these were in League One, right, and and had never played in a League One game, so going from Lincoln. You know, scoring those goals, you know, I was getting prepared. And, and who did they have? Luciano Becchio. They had Jermaine Beckford. You know, these guys were flying yeah. at that time. So I'm like, you know, this this guy has no, I'm thinking to myself, I have no experience, nothing. You know, I'm going to Lincoln. I'm going to, you know, do my best, 14 goals. Yeah, I mean, the team, too, at Lincoln was, was a great little team. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, it was a matter of I got to put the ball in the back of the net. You know, as a striker, that's your job. You know, you could have a bad game, but if you score and win a game, no one really remembers how you played, you know. So it was very, very important to me to, yeah, play with the team, be as the team player, but you got to get your goals, man. That's it. Does the name Sean Hesse mean anything to you? Sean Hesse, that sounds so familiar. Does it? He's he's probably still got part of your forehead on him. Um, Can you... (laughs) Can you remember? Can you remember how your loan at Lincoln finished? Oh my God, that guy! Yes, now rings a bell. <laughs> well, it was it was a corner, and I forget what happened, but I don't know if he stepped on me, spat in my face. I don't know what it was, but you know, I ended up I ended up uh, giving a, a headbutt back into him, back and forth, and gone from being so playing so well to ending the Lincoln career like that was was kind of uh, very shameful on my part not very professional but you know <laughs> having said that I'm, yeah, I, I, when I spoke I spoke to Sutton the following season when it was all starting to go right for you at Leeds and I asked him about that and he said well yeah. you know he, he needs to understand that a lack of discipline always ends one way but I have to say it's not a bad thing for a striker to have a nasty streak um, it's an unforgiving yeah. business and strikers who let themselves get bullied um, get nowhere so, um, so yeah I think he had you back on that one yeah, that was nice. I mean, you can't get bullied that much, you know, and that actually helped me going down to link, uh, you know, League Two. You got some big, tough defenders, you know, and that definitely got me prepared for, uh, you know, for the championship um, that next season. So he it was a game against Macclesfield, and and the, obviously the the dismissal had consequences that will will come on to shortly. But mm. at, at the point where you were coming back to Leeds at that stage, I, I seem to remember that there was some doubt in your mind about really whether or not you wanted to stay, just on the basis that it, you weren't certain about whether or not you were going to play particularly, and and you'd done so well at Lincoln that you were starting to wonder what what your best move was. Yeah, because like I said before, you know they had two top strikers flying. They just got promoted. You know, why? At that time, you know, I had to show and prove in training. And I think I still had a couple of, I don't know if I had a couple of reserve games before that. I can't really remember. But I was always, you know, I always kept on playing just to show and impress the coaches, you know. 
Um, it was never like, oh, I'm just going to get into the first team. It was impossible, you know, of what, what I had to replace. Um, but, you know, the confidence in you as a striker, yeah, I'm coming off 14 goals, you know, it definitely helps. You um you had a one year contract when you you first signed and they did extend it at the end of that season which I think was inevitable given how well you'd been doing down at Lincoln. At, right. At what period during the summer that followed um it would have been uh, 2010-11 as I recall Leeds went to Slovakia um for pre-season. Um remember speaking to you out there at what period in that pre-season did you start to think I, I am actually going to be involved now and and I and I am going to get a chance. Um it was just the way I was, I was training. You know, getting more, um, getting more confident with the coaches. Um, you know, the boys. You know, being around the boys and talking. You know, I didn't know what Jermaine was doing. If you know, because he had a lot of, I, I guess, clubs looking at him. You well, know? He, he went that summer, didn't he? He went to Everton was, on a, was, on a yeah. transfer. Yeah. So at that point, you know, I don't know who it was. It was me. Mike, I don't forget who else was was Be- the other striker. Becchio was still was still on Becchio the Becchio was obviously still there, so I was like, you know, there might be this this spot available. So that summer, I, I you know, I told myself this could be the chance for me to you know play alongside Becchio and get in that starting lineup. You know, but you of course started the season with a suspension going over yeah. from the um the the end of the previous season and the sending off against Macclesfield, and I think Simon Grayson would certainly have involved you in the. In the early games, had had that not been the case, but you were yeah. back for the game against Millwall um, mid mid August, which which yes. everybody will remember. You, you were you were on the bench that day. It was um it was a three one win in the end, but yeah. what how how much pressure did you feel to make an impact there and then? Because obviously you did on the day in in a way that yeah. that people won't have forgotten about. But how how much tension were you feeling and and. And how much was it a case of I, I need to make this happen and I need to make it happen quickly? So first of all, I did not sleep that night because <laughs> I knew that I was, you know, I was going to be on the bench. And then getting to the stadium, I was super nervous because um, you know this was my this is championship. I didn't play any of League One. I didn't went from straight League Two to Championship. You know, potentially coming in as a sub. You know, you have to make an impact, you know, if, uh, it, as a sub. And the fans were so loud. I always remember just going warming up on the sidelines, <laughs> um, just just in awe, you know, of the stadium and all that. And it was, it was honestly, you know, sometimes games go like that. It's just perfect. You know, you can get, like, the best debut game of your life, and it just fell in my hands, you know. There's a great cross from who was a Sanchez Watt, you know, straight to me. Missed Luchan, I was right there in the box. And then that second one was a great ball from Johnny Halson, you know, and I had one guy in front of me and that just my instincts just kind of took over as a striker, you know. You, you obviously uh, remember the goals clear as day. Oh, it's funny, oh, yeah. I interviewed Tony Yeboah a couple of years back. You'll remember his famous goal yes. against Liverpool. Oh, and I asked him, oh, you know, do you, do you watch the, the videos of this very often? And he said, honestly, I, the last time I watched it was last week. You know, he said, I, <laughs> I, do, I do all the time. But you can obviously remember them really clearly oh, from that yeah. day, as you would. Uh, of course. I mean, it's Leeds United is a huge part of me now, you know, and it'll always be... Um, you can never forget. I mean, getting that ball going, taking that defender on for that second goal was 
I remember everything being so quiet, and then when I, you know, when I put in the back of the net, it was Fine. just a rock. It was unbelievable. You know, I didn't even know how to celebrate. Cause it was my first time. <laughs> you know, I just like raised my arms. I don't even know what I did. Are there still great just, uh, photos of Becky on your back and the sun shining? Oh, uh, it was, yeah. it, as I say, it was a three-one win, and it, it was deserved in the end. But when you came off the bench, seventy-five minutes gone. It was one all and, and time was, was ticking on. You you developed a, a great habit of coming off the bench and scoring quickly. I mean, literally within seconds at, at stages later in the in the season. But that was your first goal was in the seventy ninth minute, your last one was was an injury time, but it was that sort of immediate impact, which I guess kind of defined that season for you. Yeah, I mean during the season I would get my start. I think I had the start against Leicester in the cup. I scored that header Hole. I think I started. There was a couple of games that I started, but you know, my impact was you know coming off the bench for some reason. You know, and a lot of the the boys were saying, you know, why are you so quiet? Why would you never go and knock on Simon Grayson's door and and, and start saying, you know, why am I not in the starting eleven? And I I was happy with where I was. I was just happy to help the team. You know, I was new to the team. I didn't want to, you know make anyone upset and you know the super sub Soma came came about and I was you know I was happy about it you know um obviously I was fresh and it was good at that time the defenders were tired and maybe that's why I got all my goals (laughs) (laughs) there are four goals of yours that always stick in my head the two against Millwall for for obvious reasons but the others being the the goal against Portsmouth where you'd been on the pitch for literally 60 seconds it was a lovely lovely move that actually great finish but it was a a good team goal that one and then the volley against Norwich which again I mean, first touch. Is that a call? Great game that. It was, you know, terrific yeah. game between two really good teams. Um, yeah. But that, you know, that I think that is the one that people probably remember most when they think of you. Which, which of the goals is, is your favourite of those? Which which do you remember most clearly? Yeah, I mean, obviously the one touch volley outside the box um, against Norwich. That was, that, that's got to be top of the list, you know. But I also, yeah, then again, you know, against the Millwall and the, you know, the background of Millwall leads and all that. That yeah. that game, that game, you know, personally, also because oh, it was my first, you know, two goals in the championship to get my, you know, my season going. But definitely, I would say, um, that one for um, Norwich, definitely the volley outside the box. Do you keep photos of it all around your house? It was funny. I went to interview Howard Wilkinson a couple of years ago, the old Leeds manager, about the the title win in 1992. And he has has absolutely nothing in his house or that I could see of any sort of football memorabilia or or any mementos. And I was asking him and, and he said, you know, it's... It, it it's old memories and I've got it all you know in me in my head but I don't feel the need to have it round the house all the time and yeah, to see it I'm every the same. day. I'm the same. Like I'll see it pop up once in a while on uh, on social media and that you know that brings great memories. I mean I don't need to you know I have I have a couple of shirts you know that I can hang up and all that but yeah I don't really need to have those kind of photos. It's nice to see it online and then go through what people say about it. You know. 12 goals that season which is a really good return in the championship for your, your first season and I guess your your intention the following summer would have been to improve further to make more of an impact and to have a, an even better season the following time Correct. around um, with, certainly at that point you, you were very involved under Simon Grace and you are a big part of the plan but but then we get to to July and and if I remember rightly a, a, a training game at Thorpe Arch in pre-season and mm-hmm. you did your ACL 
very badly. Yeah, it was it was nothing malicious. It was a ball straight into me. I was my back was to goal, and I turned. I think it was Patrick Kisnorbo. Yeah, you know, and he ended up tripping. You know, we tripped over each other, and he ended up falling on my knee. And and uh, the next, then that was fine. I got up and kind of jogged it off. But that night, um, the next kind of morning, early morning, my knee just was like a balloon. It just you know, pu- you know, puffed up, and I was like, "Oh, some something's bad." So it was ACL. I had um, also some cartilage damage. Um, so I was a bit of a downer because you know I was f- I was fully fit. I was ready to go. I was flying during that preseason. So it was, it kind of sucked, you know. Is it too simplistic now to say that that was? Almost the beginning of the end for you at Leeds. Do you, do you think of that as the point at which yeah, it started yeah, to you know it, the injury started to catch up on you in a way that you just couldn't couldn't deal with? Yeah, I couldn't come back from it. It was you know because I had my ACL, my right ACL done in Italy. Um, when was it? It was in Perugia. Uh, same kind of thing, tackle from behind. But I recovered from that. You know, so I was like, okay, I'll think positive. Let's get through it, but. It was more than that, you know. Once you dab into the cartilage, and then you you're doing micro fractures, um, you know, on a weight bearing surface. That that was the problem. It was right behind my kneecap, um, so it was a weight bearing surface. It kept on, you know, touching it. Would never have time to heal. So I was just a fighting battle, man, just to just to get back. And um, you know, and then when Neil Warnock came in, you know, he really liked me, so. I was trying to push through it. The amount of medications I was going through, I was going to London to the specialist every, almost like, you know, two, three times a week sometimes to get, you know, my my knee worked on, coming back, training once a week, and then being kind of on the bed. It was just, it was just a lot um, at that time. You know, and then obviously my contract ran out and that was it, you know. You won't mind me telling this story because we're years and years on. But um, Leeds went yeah. up. Leeds went up to Scotland in that pre-season. They had, they had friendlies against Motherwell and, and Falkirk, which I still yeah. consider to be the worst pre-season tour of all time. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> you you were you were back at the Thorpe Arch, back in Leeds, um, receiving yeah. treatment on on the Friday yeah. night before the the Motherwell game. We went to a fans forum and and Simon Grayson was there with Gwyn Williams and a few others, and they were talking. Yeah. They had the supporters there in the audience um, yeah. and Simon was asked about your fitness and he said um, well we haven't had the results yet and we're honestly not sure but we're hoping it's not serious and, and this yeah. that and the other and, and, and as he said that you um, put out a tweet on Twitter saying I've, I've had ACL surgery um, and I'm out for six months which um, which somebody duly flagged up from, from the back of the audience um, on a scale of 1 to 10 how furious was he? He was so mad and you know that was just my ignorance first time on social media you know I didn't know the pressure that he would have as a manager when I said that um, now I understand but yeah I definitely put him and the coaching staff under a lot of pressure but he was pissed um, <laughs> but um, you know I just was new to uh, what was it Twitter actually I never used Twitter and just put it on, you know, because I would see 
you know, other athletes put on a couple of things, so I thought it would be a good idea, but it obviously it, wasn't. It was also innocent back then, social media, though, wasn't it? It was innocent exactly. and it was quite, it was quite exactly. naive. It's not the, the sort of um, battlefield that it is these days, politically and, right. and emotionally, you know, and, and I guess it's a, a great example of that, of how, how little people understood it back then. Right, you know, and like I was listening to a podcast from when Simon Grayson was on, right? And he was saying, you know, now he could never tell... You could never tell a team to 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 get off Twitter. No, you know? it's how that's how much it's changed. It's it's powerful, you know, the social media nowadays. Because you were all banned, weren't you? You were banned straight away as a result of that. I, yeah. Every, oh man, I got so much stick in the locker. It was crazy. <laughs> There's your legacy at Leeds United Twitter ban. Yeah, terrific. Oh my god. Mind you, in some in some respects, I, I almost feel like he was saving you from yourselves because these days it's a it's quite a hard medium and it, it can be quite um it can be quite challenging for players, particularly after defeats or when things aren't, aren't going well. Do you do you think I mean you, you coach youngsters now in, in America. Yeah. Do you think it's a good idea for players, particularly professional players, to be on social media given the, the interaction that goes on there? I mean, it, it goes with, you know, obviously how you can handle it. You know, I mean there's players that don't care, some players, you know, get affected by it but you know you you can't stop these players from going on social media if, you know if they want to to go and see i mean it's all over the place um and it's a way of them also getting getting them seen you know if they score a goal here they want to show it out to everyone you know i mean it, nowadays the social media is 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 huge you know i don't i don't, I don't see any problem with it but you know some coaches, some old-time coaches, you know, still might have have a problem with it, you know. You obviously recovered from the ACL um, slowly, and as you sort of explained there, never really recovered from it fully. And you, you had yeah. another setback later in that same season, really at the point where everybody was kind of expecting you to come back in February February March yeah. time, you know, in, in time for the the running. Well, well, one it was there, um, or, yeah. well, after he'd just been appointed, that must have been very very hard to take. Yeah, it was. It was because um, not even that. I had a couple of you know interest from other clubs too. You know that was going around. I don't know if there were rumors or what, but you know I felt like that season was really going to be the season that I was probably going to be. You know, a starter, um, and really, really, you know, get my career underway. But at that time, what did I have? Because I had an infection and all that in my knee, so it was like I had like six, six or seven operations on my knee. Wow! Before I came back, yeah, you know, um, from the cartilage. So that last goal. When what was my last goal that I scored? I think the last goal you scored was away at Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest, that's right. Um, at that time, my knee, I mean, the amount of medication I was on, I was like, you know, this was not healthy. And I was just struggling to get, I couldn't even train. I was trained literally on my own with the physios, not even with the team. It wasn't a healthy situation also, you know. Had it, um, had it started to get into your head at that point that it might, be something, that it might be something you might not get over? Absolutely. You know, I mean, it was going on for what? Over a year, what was it? Over a year, I would say, yeah. right? Yeah. Over a year, um, maybe a little bit more. So yeah, at that point, I was like, you know what? One day, I want to be able to, you know, run at least with my kids. One day, 
and have somewhat of, of a life, you know, just the wear and tear, obviously, going through playing, just going back to playing in Italy didn't even help because you're playing on sand fields and, you know, it was wear and tear, basically, also, you know, the older you get, that's what happens, too, you just can't recover from it, you know, and I had the best, I had the best uh, physios and the best doctors, it's just one of those things. I was going to say, there's a great medical department at least. Would it have been Harvey Sherman, the old yep, physio? Who? I mean, everybody speaks so highly of him, and he's over with the um, the Washington Nationals now, the yeah. um, Major League Baseball franchise. Um, and one of the reasons they took him over there was because his record at dealing with and reducing soft tissue injuries was yep. was so good. But I mean, you, you, in that in those circumstances, you must get to know a physio incredibly well. And I mean, you must appreciate the the work that they do for you. Oh, absolutely, and from from going to not even that you you learn as an athlete you know your body inside and out they help you understand you know if you're ready to go out or if you need to hold back i mean harvey was was instrumental to to even getting me back you know somewhat on the field you know to play those couple of games or practices you know um definitely smart guy about it you know you you didn't kick a ball from May two thousand eleven to December two thousand and twelve, and and then yeah. all of a sudden you obviously came on. It was Boxing Day game away at Nottingham Forest. You came on and you scored, but yeah. you then you then played up front at Hull, and I mean if, I'm sure you won't mind me saying, but looked very very short of match fitness, very short uh, of, of of being ready. Did, did you? I was no I was nowhere ready. You know, I mean I don't know what I don't know if they saw something in training that I was doing okay but I was you know wasn't I didn't have the confidence I didn't have the games under my belt I was always thinking about my knee I would always have this pain in my knee uh, every kind of certain movement that I did and you know you got to have a clear head when you play games you know and you came you came off after 40, 45 minutes in that game you substituted it at half time there was a slight yeah. back story which was that that Neil Warner could be interested in Chris Wood at the time and and Chris Wood I think had gone to Leicester instead and and there was a feeling yeah. amongst us certainly that there was an element of him saying look playing you in order to say look I'm I'm short of of fit and available options up front yeah. but that that must have been a it must have been a frustrating afternoon that really because you get thrown in but then you you very much left to dangle in a team who were pretty soundly beaten that day yeah, um, what was the score? Was it? It was three? two. It was two nil. Hull, two nil, two nil, yeah, but it was very, nil. very comprehensive. Yeah, it was. I didn't have good touch on the ball. I wasn't playing for the team. I was. I was in pain. I was honestly. It was probably the time where I thought, okay, you know, something's going wrong. I don't know if I needed another surgery. Like there were so many thoughts going in my head um, that honestly, it was. It kind of sucked because he could have put someone else on the field. That would have done a lot better, you know. Did you? Um, had you already at that point then started to think about what your other options might be if if you weren't going to be able to carry on playing? Um, because I'm I'm thinking you're you're, you're thirty three now, so you would have been what twenty three, twenty four at that stage. Um, yeah. So I I, I, I was. I was contemplating because a couple of the boys were going to do their coaching, you know, coaching licenses over there. Yes. I just, in my head, I'm a guy that never, never gives up. So I was always trying to get back. Um, but always in my head, you know, I said, I love this game. There's nothing else that I wanted to do. And obviously I wanted to um, go into coaching somehow. Um, that's what I'm doing now. But definitely thoughts were going in my head. 
you know, not right after that game, that whole game, but as soon as I knew I couldn't really be fully fit, you know, I had to maybe go back to school, come back to the United States, go to school, you know, get a degree in something, but um, definitely, definitely started thinking about it. Because Brian McDermott came in at the back end of that season, Neil Warnock um, left shortly before it, and, and McDermott yeah. came in just to, to kind of stave off of relegation um, he did play against Burnley in April but almost immediately after that you needed another operation on, on the cartilage and you needed yeah so like... I had torn my cartilage again that I had felt during during the warm up I did feel a slight you know short pain in my knee but it wasn't wasn't anything serious like I could still run and all but then the intensity and the level of the game is a lot different than warm up so uh, was down in the corner I was I don't know if I was taking a player on and I went to go accelerate and all of a sudden I hear like a pop in my knee and I was like, that's it. You know, something bad has happened. Instantly my knee swelled up and it was it was cartilage again. My ACL was fine. Once I had the first operation on my ACL, that was great. But it was this cartilage that just couldn't get better. I, I, does it bother you these days? I mean, you, you're 10 years on now, um, but you'll yeah, have had, so a, lo- you'll have had still, a lot of a lot of work done to it and a lot of procedures done to it. How, how does it bother you these days? It's honestly, it's it's manageable now. You know, it's obviously I'm not training every day. I still play here and there with, you know, the kids if i got to show them, you know, what to do. But I, I, signed, up for, <laughs> I signed up for a men's over 30 league <laughs> uh, recently. So we'll see how... Um, We'll see how it goes. But if I play, like, you know, if I play indoor games or something like that, small games, I'm okay. I'll probably need, like, you know, two, three days of recovery and then <laughs> and then I'll be back out. But I, I, I'm a guy that needs to kind of stay active and fit, you know, otherwise you lose your body, you know. There wasn't a lot Leeds could do for you at that point in terms of your contract. I mean, it was up in 2013. Did, did, you, did you speak to them about... The option Absolutely. of extending it, or did did you did you just think to yourself, I, you know, I've I've had so many problems that really I've I've got to go. I wanted to go another year, um, and I spoke to Neil, you know, and he said, and, and he really liked me, man. You know, that's why I was trying so hard to get back. Um, but he was like, you know, I just can't. You know, he couldn't gamble on me. They can't just, you know gamble on someone that hasn't even played for over you know was it over here here yeah. and there you know so at the end of the day i just had to bite the bullet and you know i just thanked him for you know believing in me still even though i was injured but that was it you know but you, you did appear back at the club i think it was the following oh, september or october somebody phoned me and said oh um david summer's back at, at thorpe arch and i gave you a call and you said oh i am yeah the, the club are, are helping me with fitness, you know, just trying to trying to help me tick over again after the cartilage operation. But you did say at the time, look, I, I still feel like I've got unfinished business at Leeds, and and if there was the option of a contract, then you know I, you I would go. like to get myself back in there. So it was obviously yeah. quite difficult to let it go. Yeah, because you know I, I truly trusted in Harvey's work. You know, I mean, from where I was to to get me, you know, on the field here and there, you know, I was like, there's got to be some way that I can get back on this field you know my career can't just end like this that was my thought the entire time and um yeah I remember speaking to you but it was just it just got you know worse and worse because as a player you see all you know your teammates going out on the field you want to go out but maybe it was too soon I couldn't go 100% and you know it was just a 
it was just a horrible situation, you know, for my knee. It wasn't it wasn't ready at all. It was done, you know. When when that period finished, I wouldn't call it a trial because it was never set up as a trial as such. Um, but I think you were hoping that if you you impressed, and I suspect if you had impressed or, or been fit enough, then then they'd have been interested in taking you back on. But when that finished and and you left, did you did you feel deep down that you were finished? Did you feel that 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 was you that was you about to retire? No, because I was hard headed. I came back. I recovered. I went to the doctors here in United States um, and I had another operation what was like total nine or I think yeah it was nine operations from England to, to here so I think it was another two over here and recovered then again for another year did all my rehab and at that time Mike Rella was at New York Red Bulls so I was like, you know what, their preseason it was at the right time where I was starting to run and actually feel better yeah. um, than I was at, at Leeds. So their preseason was around, I forget what time it was, around May, I think it was. Well, I'm not sure, too sure, but I ended up going away with them on, on preseason. But at that time, my age in MLS is already considered a veteran. Right, you okay. Know? And so they have young kids flying, running all over the place. And they had a good team, the New York Rebels, but it was a great opportunity to see if I could get. And I, you know, I did okay. Um, at, but it was just they had, you know, other intentions. And, and then that was my time. You know, I said, you know what, that's it. Um, I've given everything to this game. And, and I think it's time to, you know, hang the boots up, you know. Were you, were you able to be philosophical about it? it? It varies from player to player. Some find it quite easy to go when, when the time's up, quite you know quite happy with the time they've had. Other people find it very difficult. And, and obviously in your position, it, it could have been a far longer career than, than it was in the end. Yeah, I was very upset. You know, it took me a couple of weeks to really get over it. Um, you know, you definitely need, you know, your family around you to support you. But it was... It was tough because this. Listen, it's a sport that I, I've done since four years old, and who doesn't love to to play a, a professional sport for a living, you know? Um, and yeah, that was really tough. But at the same time, it's been great. You know, I've given uh, a, you know thought into it. I'm, I'm building you know kind of a resume around the youth teams that I'm coaching now. Maybe one day I can give them the opportunity to go overseas, you know. So I'm working on those kinds. I want to give back to the game now, which, you know, I'm over being sour and all that. You know, it's also a weight off my shoulders. At the same time, not thinking about okay, this rehab. What do I got to do for get you know my knee ready? So it was definitely a weight off my shoulders. You know, to be honest. Who who are you coaching with then, David? I mean, did did you go to college? Did you go to university? Because I know that yeah. college degrees and and. And so fo- football or soccer, as you call them, are, are very yeah. big business and very prevalent over there. Yeah. So I, before I made you know my career overseas, it was through. I, I went. Sorry, I went to college in in Tyler, Texas, for a year, and then my mom ended up you know getting me out to Europe, which was the the program still exists today. It's been out for eighteen years. It's called EduKick. Okay. And. They, they really, you know, now I'm an ambassador for them, you know, um, getting kids overseas on these, uh, you know, ID camps. I think there's a couple in Manchester and all that. Um, but 
definitely um well sorry i lost my train of thought now it was uh, yeah i was just asking you about where where you're coaching now what yeah so sorry it's um stony brook university so it's out in long island okay yeah out in Long Island and um, Long Island United, it's two different youth organizations. They go from, you know, peewees all the way up to, to 18-year-olds, um, and then they go off to college. How, how do you find it? How do you find Because obviously you'll, you'll have had years of being coached by other people, um, years of years of forcing coaches to ban players from Twitter and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> all, all of a sudden you're managing them and, and putting up with all the idiosyncrasies. You, you know. I tell you what, hey, it was not easy. From being a player to transitioning into a coach, you know, I had a couple of my licenses done, you know, from the youth. But it's 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 not easy. But I've gotten into it now because I've been doing it for about seven years now, so or six years now. So it's I'm getting into it, but it, it was definitely it was definitely it wasn't easy, man. <laughs> do you do you have any sort of bigger ambitions then with coaching? Would you like to coach in MLS or potentially come over to Europe to England? Um, yeah, so there's there's a couple of possibilities. You know, two directions that you can take. You, you know, coaching courses. You can go the route of NCAA, which is um, you know the college college way, or you can take the other way. You know, MLS or overseas. And honestly, I would love to. Honestly, do it all. I would love to do maybe do the one to be a professional coach because um, right now I ended up taking the, the the biggest team I have is Stony. Brook. I have a university team that I coach. I'm I'm about to take uh, take them over. I was as an assistant uh, in Stony Brook, so that's more of the level that I want to do. You yeah. know, the higher level, but you know training these young kids and building them like if you get a team from you know u9s u10s you can you can build them up and coach them in you know your style and your philosophy whatever you want to call it for you know six seven years and it's nice to keep that team you know you 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 see the kids grow and then they go off to college you know or overseas have you you been back to leeds then have you you i haven't and i've seen a lot of you know tweets and social media you know we would love to have you back david before the end of the season and i'm honestly i'm trying to get to see if i can get back to a game because i would love to to see leeds again play before uh before going to the prem oh this might this might be the moment i mean you'll have seen the result of the weekend the, the defeat of sheffield united and i think it's, it's going to be very started. tight it's going to be very tight but um it's Listen. been it's been quite a special season actually with bielsa and um it, it has yeah it'd be it'd be worth catching if you can before it finishes yes i would I, i'm definitely trying to work out my schedule to to get over there um just to see the see leads and the you know the team play again it would be it would be amazing somebody will throw you some free tickets definitely yeah why not <laughs> I mean um, I'm trying to think now who is um, who's the liaison is he still there Sticks Locks, uh, yeah, is he, yeah, is he still, still there? Still there. I wouldn't imagine many of the the people who are around the club when when you were there are, are still um, still employed, but there'll be there'll certainly be one or two. Yeah, so that was that's probably the guy I'll uh, I'll message um, I'll, I'll message Sticks to get some tickets going. <laughs> yeah, tap up for some free seats. Um, right. just, just before we finish, I'll, I'll throw some yeah. some sort of lead specific questions at you. Do, who yeah. who was the best player you played with at Leeds? Because there were some very very good. Good players in that squad that oh, Simon Grayson so had. Hard. That's so hard. That's so hard. 
man, there's a lot of good players, man. Um, obviously, you know, being a striker, I looked up to Jermaine. I mean, Jermaine was a pure finisher. I yeah. really looked up to him, you know. And then Luchan, the same thing, you know. Then you then you had your Johnny Housens in the midfield. You know, it's, there's so many I can't pick, you know. Um, oh, it's very hard, I feel. I can't, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> on, wanna... on, on that basis alone, then, how, how big an opportunity missed was that in 2011? Because... Obviously, there was that win over QPR before Christmas when Leeds were second in the table. There was a long stretch through the, the spring where it looked like they would certainly finish in the playoffs and then tailed off to seventh place um, at the yeah. at the very end of the season. Should that squad have finished in the playoffs? Sorry, Phil, can you hear me? I can, I can, yeah. David, I, I was just saying that, that that squad went so close to the playoffs that season. Now, yeah. how, how much of a missed opportunity was that given the, the quality that was in it? Oh, man, we had, we had quality, I mean, it was the boys were really down. I mean, I felt like we had we had a strong team that year, and um, it was very disappointing to not to not even get into playoff. You know, um, but it's one of those things. You know, you know, you live, you learn. I'm I'm hoping that you know this year is the the year that they can do it. You know, they got a great coaching staff. The team has been on fire. Um, so it would honestly Leeds needs to be in the prem without a doubt the following that they have i mean the fans are are just nuts you can't have this team needs to be in the prem you know and i think they'll do it this year because you know even years past getting into playoffs it's been difficult you know for Leeds for some reason but i feel like this year even if they are in playoff i think they would they can still do it you know What's what's your overriding feeling then? Just finally about your time at Leeds. Is it this pleasure and satisfaction from from having had the the experience at all, or or is it a bit of a thought of what might have been if if the injuries hadn't been so severe and hadn't got you in the way that they did? Honestly, the the playing, the experience, the the people I've met, the coaching staff, the fans that surpasses my injury and my time at Leeds. I had the best time, and I'll. Honestly, honored to have been, uh, you know, a Leeds United player, without a doubt. You know, injury is part of the game, but to play for Leeds United, not many people can say that. You know, it's it's one of the best clubs you could uh, you could ever play for. 